good morning. I hope you're having a great, great morning. I am. I'm happy today, and I don't know why. I'm looking at myself right here in the camera, and I'm still fat, but I got my Dockage t-shirt on. Thanks to my friend, Sean Black. He made Dockage Fan Club t-shirts. And of course, on the back, I don't want to spin around, but it says, don't at me. We'll get these out. We'll get them to you. We will let you know how, when, where, or what you can buy them. And then, of course, we'll give all of the money that we make to our Dockage Cycles for the City program. And uh, let's go. All right. Couple of things. One, I'm torn on this. I don't know how you feel about this. I don't know how I feel on this. There is a deal being made, apparently, for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, a Marine. Now, Paul Whelan's brother, David, confirmed this, I think, two ways. And I'm going to give you both of the ways. I, Golly, the deal is for a guy named Victor Bout, B-O-U-T, Bout. He's called the Merchant of Death. He made and distributed weapons designed to kill Americans. So part of me is like, wait a second, you guys are playing checkers over there, and we're playing chess. An NBA, quote, superstar, which maybe there's no such thing, but if there was, it would be her, uh, for, oh, I don't know. What the hell is that? What are we doing up there in the corner? An NBA superstar for the Merchant of Death. Man, uh, I hope Brittany Griner gets out. I want Brittany Griner to get out. Before I do this show, I do some serious thinking. My wife, the lovely Lee Ross Dockich, and I were talking about this. You know, bottom line to me is I want Americans out of bad situations, even if they put themselves in it. And you would hope that Brittany Griner would learn to have a little respect for the United States. That's what, you know, actually, I don't care whether Brittany Griner uh, has any respect for the United States after this. If she doesn't, she's dumber than uh, she appears to be, which is kind of stupid when you end up in a Russian jail. Anyway, um, but it is a tough call, right? It is a tough call. It shows incredible weakness by us here in the United States. When Donald Trump wanted two or three American basketball players out of China, he simply got it done. He didn't have to give up the merchant of death. Now, I'd make the deal. I want Americans home, and let's be honest. Everything that career politicians do are for political reasons. And right now, Brittany Griner sitting in a jail in Russia is an embarrassment, a further embarrassment, another embarrassment to the Biden administration. Brittany Griner's case, I actually started it. It was about two months ago when I started banging on a drum here. A lot of people accused me of a lot of different things. I had people say, hey, Dan, I, I noticed that at the time you started talking about Brittany Griner, your station was, born by an Af was bought by an African-American company. I actually had a good friend of mine say that to me, and I hadn't really thought about that. Really, my involvement with Brittany Griner, I don't know her, never met her, never really even watched her play. I don't really pay attention. Got a lot going on, particularly in the summer. It's like light till 10 o'clock here in Indiana. I'm playing golf till whenever, not really watching the WNBA, but obviously I know who she is. And I just felt a few months ago like it was enough. I felt like the timing of what she did, I get. $40 billion to the Ukraine by the Biden administration and in a war which pissed off, obviously, the folks uh, in Russia. She gets caught with vape, illegal. Doesn't matter if it's even medical. Whether you agree with it being illegal or not, it simply is. But it is a bit of a conundrum. You're going to release the merchant of death. Think about that for a second. Internationally known as the merchant of death, a man serving a 25-year prison, he was going to distribute arms to kill Americans. 
and you're going to give that up. This is what you're going to do. You're going to give that up for a basketball player who wasn't smart enough not to take vape. I personally would do it. I would. Americans need to be protected. Uh, and, and, and actually, it's the other way around. Paul Whelan is the guy. Paul Whelan is the guy that we should be talking about here, a Marine. And we can get into that if you would like. But obviously, in our little world, you know what? Uh, it's not Paul Whelan. It's Brittany Griner. And I, I would do it because I want Americans to come home. But man, oh, man, that's a tough one. And I got to tell you, once again, the Biden administration is absolutely playing checkers while everybody else is playing chess. And Brittany Griner, unfortunately, gave the Russian government, a.k.a. Vladimir Putin, uh, and all the opportunity by being historically stupid at an historically bad time. But I've been banging the drum on Brittany Griner to come home, and frankly, I hope she does. So it was a lot, it was a lot of thinking that my wife and I were doing. It was. It was a lot of thinking we were doing. And I got to tell you, the public sentiment is not with me. Public sentiment is, oh, oh screw her. She, I, that's not how I look at it. I'm sorry. I wish I did. I wish I could, but I can't. I feel bad for the woman. She made her own bed. She maybe, maybe, I don't know. If she does, she does. If she doesn't, she doesn't. But maybe, just maybe, she'll learn that the United States is a pretty damn good spot to be in. If you didn't know that already, you're just an idiot. I mean, if you didn't know that living here provides you the greatest freedoms of any country, anytime, anywhere, then you're a stone idiot. And if you take it for granted, then you're even dumber. Well, if you take it for granted, you're usually young and dumb. That's usually what you are. You're usually young and dumb and you got all the answers and then we got to all listen to you. And then you know what happens? You know what happens later on? True story. Then what happens later on, somebody gets older and then we got to listen to that person get older and talk about how young and dumb they were. It's happening <clears throat> all, of, uh, all across the country. Um, Mike Trout, everybody tells me he's the best player in baseball. Everybody tells me it's not even close. Okay, it's not even close. Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. I would argue that Mike Trout's the best player that you've never seen in baseball. I mean, who the hell watches the Los Angeles Angels ever? But everybody tells me Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. All right. Mike Trout has apparently, according to the media, which I don't know to be true, has a, quote, rare spinal condition that could affect him the rest of his life. Well, this is a pretty rare condition right now in his back. The doctor, Robert Watkins, who's one of the most well-known spinal surgeons in the country, if not the world, doesn't see a lot of these. And for it to happen to a basketball player, we just have to take that into consideration. What he puts him through, hitting, swinging, and on a daily basis, just getting prepared, playing in the outfield, diving for balls, jumping into walls, things like that. Well, let me explain something to you. You can have plantar fasciitis, and it could affect you the rest of your career. He got a cortisone shot. He's going to have a follow-up next week. We'll go from there. Here's my deal with Mike Trout. I'm tired of hearing about Mike Trout being the best player in baseball. Who's the best player in baseball? Mike Trout. Okay. Why isn't he ever in the playoffs? Team sport. Great. To be a really good, great baseball player, you got to have a postseason moment. You do. I'm sorry. You got to have a postseason moment. Mike Trout probably is. He's 5-2, but you know why Mike Trout's the best player in baseball? I would argue Mike Trout is considered the best player in baseball because he's great with the media. He smiles. He's a New Jersey guy. 
all that kind of happy horse bleep. Sojay Otani is the best player in baseball. Nobody's ever done what Sojay Otani has done. Mike Trout always gets hurt. Mike Trout's never in the playoffs. Mike Trout isn't the best player in baseball. I like Mike Trout. He's fine. He's great. And people are going to say, this shows how stupid you are, Doc. It's you don't know baseball. No, I'm in two baseball Hall of Fames. This guy, what has two thumbs and knows baseball? This guy. And great, Mike Trout might be, could be, maybe. I never see him in the playoffs. I never see Otani in the playoffs either. Maybe I have Mike Trout fatigue. Mike Trout said this, and this is the stupidity of the media. I got back and my phone was blowing up. My career is over. No, it's not. He's making fun of it. Because the idiots in the media do what idiots in the media do. They blow it up. He said, Mike Trout said, it's just rare for a baseball player. I just have to stay on top of it. All right. Okay. Big deal. You know, you can get a really infected toe, start walking around badly, and it can affect you for the rest of the career. So, you know what? They act like in the media this is like forever. You all right? Diving for balls. See, here's my deal. And this is where I'm a bad human being. Horrible human being, according to the media. Uh, sympathy is between sh and syphilis in the dictionary. Here's the deal. I'm a bad human being. I listen. Well, he's diving for balls. He's running. Hey, look, I had an uncle who went every day for 40-some years into the steel mills of Gary, Indiana. In fact, not only an uncle, but my next-door neighbor, that next-door neighbor, two guys down the other way. The whole, I have no empathy, sympathy for, well, you know, he's got to dive. Well, you know, he falls down. Shut up. Be all right. Rub a little dirt on it and let's go. But you know it has to be a big deal. You know it has to be a big deal because it's Mike Trout, and everybody tells me Mike Trout's the greatest player in the history of baseball. Uh, Live Tour is getting interesting. You know what the Live Tour is? Now, every little media guy's mad at the Live Tour. Every little media guy, well, the Live Tour bad. Hey, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I know we can get dramatic. I know this. I put gas in my car. But basically, everything that I do relies on Saudi Arabia and its oil, is what I've been told. Hell, I don't know. I really don't. Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champ, is leaving to go to the Live Tour. Now, it's easy to say, hey, look, look. Bubba Watson doesn't matter on the PGA Tour. It's easy. You could say that if you'd like. That's fine. Everybody could say that. Bubba Watson doesn't matter. He's an older white guy. Why do we care about older white guys? I'll tell you why we care about older white guys in golf, because who watches golf? Older white guys. But Bubba Watson is one of the guys that when you say Bubba on the PGA Tour, everybody knows you're talking about Watson. So Bubba Watson goes to the PGA Tour, or goes to the Live Tour. Uh, not a big deal, you say, but here's why it is a big deal. It's a big deal because Bubba Watson represents a guy right in the middle. Good enough, known enough, and still goes. Traditional enough, and still goes. One of the things you got to understand about the Live Tour, at this point, the PGA Tour was hoping it would go away. It was hoping you would see guys get shamed into not going to the Live Tour. That's true. It really is. It's true. 
That's what the media does. You know, the media tries to shame those that they don't like into obscurity. So they, the PGA Tour, try to say you can't play on our tour. That's being investigated by the Department of Justice. They're fighting like crazy. And I mean, when I say fighting like crazy, they are fighting like crazy to get the majors. The Royal and Ancient, which has the Open. Augusta National, which has the Masters. USGA and PGA of America, which have the US Open and the PGA Championship. They are fighting like crazy to get the four majors to say, y'all can't play in our tournament unless you disavow the live tour. Well, it's been hard, been hard to do. They want the live tour to go away. They want the live tour gone. They want it gone. I'll go, you go. Well, it ain't happening. And here goes another guy. Don't at me about the money. Stop it, stupid. We all do things for money. Everybody and their mother does things for money. Well, you think I'm doing this for free? Are you crazy? Hell, I didn't even shave my head for free. But Bubba Watson going signifies more than just a two-time national or a master's champion going. It signifies that the Live Tour is continuing to grow. It's continuing to inch up. See, here's what you don't understand. Players talk. Hey, man, you're on the Live Tour. How's it going? Oh, man, it's great. Are you kidding me? Did you see that plane ride we took? It's great for my family. It's great for my caddy. I mean, I'm making more money than I ever made. I'm playing golf. Are you kidding? They treat us like kings. And I'm going to show you in a minute what happened last night at a concert for a Live Tour Pro-Am. I'll show you in a minute. But that, see, people act like folks don't talk. Doesn't matter what it is. Folks, of course, talk. Well, you know, I read this in the paper. Well, you don't think Bubba Watson went to Charles Howe or whoever his friends are on the PGA Tour and said, hey, man, you've been in this. What's been the backlash? I mean, that question. How's that? Oh, it's you know, a couple-day article. Who cares? How's the lifestyle? Oh, it's unbelievable. They fly us. You saw the plane. It's a freaking party. It's incredible. How's the money? They pay in full. How's the golf? Great. 54-hole tournament. We play our brains out. We're out of here. Here's what you got to understand about PGA golfers. They're like you at your job, me at jobs. And I've never really done this at this job, either this job or the radio job. I've never really gotten tired of it. I've gotten cynical, but I've never really gotten tired of it. PGA golfers have had to tip their caps and do all that stuff for years, right? PGA golfers had to, had to play behind slow guys. We all think, oh, it doesn't matter. You're out there. What are you doing playing golf? And I agree with that. However, so they talk to one. Hey, man, it's a 54-hole event where a shotgun starts. We're in. We're out. It's great. Every broadcaster that you know, every single one, does not want overtime. What do you mean it's the greatest game ever? Yeah, no overtime. What do you mean it's Assembly Hall? It's Indiana, Purdue. Great, man, no overtime. Because you've broadcast a million games, you don't want overtime. Every single golfer wants a guy in front of them to play fast. Every single golfer wants to get in, wants to get out. Everyone. Telling you. So they talk, man, it's a great life. So slap blank Johnny, 
that writes for the local rag, well, the live tour sucks. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. I'm telling you. Slap playing Johnny at the local paper or at the big paper. You know what, Dan Wolken? They shouldn't do this. Okay, great. I won't. Okay. Hey, well, where are we playing this week? These things don't happen in a bubble. And let me show you something else. Let's go to the video, boys, from the Live Tour event. Is Nelly going to catch hell? He not by the Indianapolis Star. Indianapolis Star is so afraid of African-American people, it'll make your head spin. So you ain't going to hear nothing about Nelly in this. But uh, I don't know. Trump? They were at a rally yesterday. Not a rally. It was a Live Tour live event before they all played in the Pro-Am. We got it, Dylan and Ryan? It's unbelievable. Looks like a party. I'm not saying I would do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm saying I would ask, but I want to know what the hell's going on around here. I'm telling you. Here it is. Trump. Nelly. Nobody's going to say nothing to Nelly. You know what? I guarantee if you went to that's the best food ever, we're all just trying to live our best lives. Nobody's trying. Hey, we're all just trying to do right. We're all trying to do our best life, have our best lives, and we're all trying to have some fun. It's a great country song. We went out last night. One thing started leading to the other. Out last night. Everybody talking about loving on each other. I don't know. But we're all just trying to have a good time. So you go to a live tour, you have a good time. Not saying I would do it, probably wouldn't. Uh, contrary to public opinion, man, I've given up a lot of money over integrity issues. 3.5 million when I was in my 30s, early 30s at West Virginia over integrity things. Gave away about 20 million at Indiana, making idiots run and do things they didn't want to do, lost games. If I would have just not worried about it, let them smoke weed, but I don't care. We're all just trying to live the lives that we want. We're all just trying to have a good time. Brad Pitt's brother and the band on the run. Yeah, everybody goes out. Everyone starts loving on each other. Just having a good time. That's all we want on a Friday, Saturday night after we work hard. Now, I know a little writer boy gets up in there, a little writer girl gets up in there. We must stop this. Okay, stop it. Do whatever you want to do. But those folks there are having a good time. They got a memory. Who do you think got criticized for? Let me ask you, Donald Trump. Anybody mention Nelly? What do you think Nelly got paid for that? Ooh, man. I bet you Nelly got at least a million. I bet you anything you want. I'm going to try to find that out. In the world that we live in, there's a couple ways to argue. You can argue by getting in each other's faces, like at an abortion rally. Bye, 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 bye. You're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, ba 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 Right? You can go racist first. Racist first is a great way to argue. You're racist. Oh, I won. Because when you go racist first, racist first wins the day. Oh, that was so racist. Huh? Yeah, Dockage, you're wearing a white shirt. That's so racist. Wow. Then you got to battle back. I see how it goes. You can innuendo argue. 
Well, you know, uh, the guy did it to me the other day. Well, Emmis might have to pay again. I need a chin. I need chin implants. Put those out there. You can do all that. Or the magic word in the world we live in today, it's inappropriate. You're so inappropriate. That's inappropriate behavior. I can't believe he acted inappropriately. Do you know they went out last night, got drunk, and everybody was acting inappropriate? Donkage told an off-keller inappropriate joke at a fan cave thing. Oh, it's so inappropriate. I can't believe that you acted so inappropriately. What are you talking about? I bought Nun's dinner. How's that inappropriate? You know, I don't like how inappropriate you are. That's the coup de grace. Uh, why did you fire that coach? He acted inappropriate. What does that mean? Let me just tell you. It was inappropriate. I got to tell you, I lived my whole life, my entire life, and I never one time ever heard the word inappropriate until now. Now, jackassery? Absolutely. Number of different ways? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Of course. But the word inappropriate is the coup de gras. Like, there was a scene in A Christmas Story where the ultimate insult to these kids, no, it was in the Sandlot, not not the Christmas story. It was in the Sandlot. You throw like a girl, and everybody went, ooh. <laughs> and it's true. Back in the day, if you said that, oh, my God. But one of the things, um, I don't know, one of the things that I feel like is unfair, is the whole world inappropriate. I don't like it. It can mean anything. Blah, 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 blah. He acted inappropriate to me. All right, what'd he do? He looked at me side-eyed. Oh, all right. Sorry about that. That's a bad deal, huh? I mean, it can be anything, but we throw it around. We throw in around, he's racist. That's racist, Boomer. Hey, Boomer, that's racist. I got a guy on Twitter right now, Bradley Martin. He's mad. He's a Christian. He's a Christian. He's from Auburn. Sends me education and race relations. Sorry, I thought this was a good one. I saw this really amazing article on American culture, and you two guys are in it about halfway down. I'm sure it's really positive. I'm sure it's unbelievable. We're all in a, did I say something inappropriate? This goes through every single thing that you can possibly say that the Wokies don't like. Oh my God. Conspiracy theories, racist, inappropriate. No, just stop. Just stop. 
I don't know, maybe this is a good thing. I'm looking for my name. If my name ain't in it, I ain't interested. Because I understand that because I don't go along with what everybody wants to go along, I'm inappropriate. The word is amazing. That's the word you should use for me. Amazing. Somebody doesn't do something you like, the first thing you go to, if you're Ryan Clark, is it's racist. The second thing you go to, or sorry, the first thing you go to, if you're a white person, is inappropriate. There's a great, and I mean not good, these things always fascinate me. There's a great film of a guy, white guy, dressed up. Uh, He's got mariachis, he's got a sombrero and a mustache. And his film crew goes to a bunch of white people, a bunch of young white people. Does this offend you? Oh, my God, yes, it offends you. Oh, my God, it's horrible. So then they go to a bunch of actual Mexican people, people that are Mexican. They're like, no, it's great. See, real people don't get bent out of shape about everything. Real people don't get bent out of shape about a joke, a slight. Real people don't think that anything that doesn't go their way can be defined as inappropriate. The bottom line is, have a little sense of humor. I don't know what to tell you. That's probably inappropriate too. Doggage, I was checking your Twitter feed. Oh, not woke, bro. It's a good article. Not inappropriate at all. Okay, Bradley, thank you. Appreciate you. Then I'll read it. I just figured, look, Bradley, no offense, bro, but when I see Christian and all that stuff, I just assume you don't like me and Hammer. My bad. Appreciate you listening. Um, Dan, it can only cost you 50 bucks to make a gun automatic if you do about 15 minutes of Google research. And there you go. All right. I did. Oh, the article is seriously complimentary of you to gave you credit for being brave. Bradley, I apologize. See, I do that. When I make mistakes, I apologize. My bad, Bradley Martin. I just thought you're making, uh, you know, look, maybe, I, maybe I'm, you know, jumpy. Maybe I'm itchy. <laughs> maybe I got, you know, words flying at me. Thank you, Bradley, for that. All right. Uh, we'll probably get inappropriate coming up here with Jason Allen Hammer. I love Jason Allen Hammer, Hammer and Nigel. We're going to get into Brittany Griner. We're going to get into, did this doctor who was in charge? What? Did the doctor that was in charge of COVID make it up? Uh, did, did she? And does Fauci want us to go back to masks? We got teacher shortages. We got all kind of stuff coming up with Jason Allen Hammer. He will be inappropriate when we come back. I promise you. It's why we roll, he and me. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Talk about inappropriate. Jason Allen Hammer and Dan Dockage on the same Zoom call. There's a chance. <laughs> hey, I'm not, hey, I'm just... <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a chance things could get inappropriate around this hizzy. Uh, <laughs> Brittany Griner, <laughs> I'm torn. I'm like, man, I want her out. I've been talking about her out. She's an American. Get her ass out. But God dang, the price is high. Is Putin playing checks, chess here while we're playing checkers? 
Vladimir Putin is playing chess, and we have not yet made our way into the room where the game is being played right now. So try to explain this to your kids or your grandkids about 20, 25 years from now, whatever. Try to make sense of this. In the year 2022, the United States gave your tax dollars to Ukraine so they could fight against the awful arms and weapons that Russia is putting on them. We gave them tax dollars. We gave them our arms. And then we turned around and gave Russia their biggest arms dealer, the guy known as the merchant of death. Try to make sense of that. Any rational person who looks at this objectively can say, this is a bad idea. How are you trying to protect Ukraine from weapons? And then you turn around and give Russia their biggest, baddest, most well-known terrorist that funds their arm running. It's an incredibly bad idea. And I'm with you. Brittany Griner should be home. The other guy, Paul Whelan, there's a little bit more going on with him. If you want to argue that, you know, he was unfairly convicted of espionage, fine. But there's a big difference between being busted at the airport for weed and being charged with being a spy in a foreign country. Big differences there. Brittany Griner should absolutely be at home. This falls on the United States government. The United States government can't be in a position to just take any offer. Russia doesn't get to dictate the terms here. That's not how it works. The United States, even under Joe Biden, the United States is the biggest, baddest bully on the block. They are the world superpower. Have we been stronger before? Hell yes, we have been. Is our president embarrassing? Hell yes, he is. But the United States military, the United States government, we're still the world's bully. Look what happened with Russia. Everybody thought Russia was this unbelievable force of power. They're having a hard time finishing off Ukraine. This should have been quick, the way that we thought Russia's military and government ran. It's not the case. Russia's a mess. But yet we're allowing Russia to dictate the terms here? No. The United States government, they need to find a way to get Brittany Griner back home. Whether you're talking about sanctions, whether you're talking about trade, something needs to happen. But giving them the, quote, merchant of death who has been charged with trying to murder Americans and aiding terrorist organizations, this cannot stand. Do you think, I mean, this is my cynical mind, do you think that, number one, a little public pressure here lately on Griner, number two, midterms coming up, so... Uh, this is simply, I'm getting Griner out because I don't want to have to hear about Brittany Griner anymore as the midterms come up. I think that's a little bit of it. I think he needs any sort of victory column check mark at this point. He needs anything. Because with the midterms coming up, what can Joe Biden say that he's done for the Democratic Party? I mean, the GDP number came out today. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. It certainly isn't the economy. It's certainly not the border. It's not crime in major cities. This dude needs a win, and he needs it now. So they're doing everything in their power to try to get Brittany Griner home. This is the equivalent of getting that little base hit in the eighth inning that breaks up a no-hitter. That's what this would be for the Biden administration. And now you're going to see some of the big-time players in the Democratic Party really try to put the pressure on guys like Joe Manchin. Uh, we're already hearing that he's open to hearing some new ideas with the Build Back Better plan. Now, he was a hard no 
to begin with. And keep in mind, Manchin is popular in his state of West Virginia. Um, so he's not just going to agree with any piece of bullcrap, but we're hearing more and more that the Democratic Party knows they need some sort of wins. So they're going to try to bring Griner home. They're going to try to get Manchin to flip on some things just so they have a little bit of momentum heading into the midterms and 2024. And they're trying to redefine the dictionary. Like, I don't know about <laughs> you, but you, you mentioned it. I, maybe we're not in a recession. It sure seems like we're in a recession, and the numbers that just came out seem to suggest we are in a recession, no? Remember that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza gives you this great piece of advice? It's not a lie if you believe it. And that's kind of where we're at yeah. right now with the economy and the recession. For years, the textbook definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, gross domestic product. Well, the numbers came out today, and we fall into that category. Uh, earlier today, the numbers came out, and it was minus 0.9. That's for April through June of this past year, 0.9. Now, this comes off of a really bad first quarter this year, too. 2021 actually was a really solid year. The numbers of 2021, the rebound year from COVID, were really good. But we've had two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product. And you've got the Biden administration saying, well, it's technically not the definition that we're going to use. We're going to use this definition. They're trying to spin this as, look at the jobs, the job numbers. Jobs are up. Jobless claims are down. But if you look at the wages the wage gains, the wage gains are completely down, which means just because the jobs are up doesn't mean that somebody is not living paycheck to paycheck. People might have to have multiple jobs now to live their lives because the GDP is awful. The job market is tough and wages are down. Wages are way down. So don't be fooled by any window dressing here. If any politician tells you technically we're not in a recession, they're the dumbest human being alive. Yeah, I, look, um, it's even made worse. I call it the Mike Davis, Indiana coach theory. Um, Mike Davis took over for Bob Knight when he was famously fired, and he got the residuals of Bob Knight's discipline program. He got the residuals of 26 years of success. And then when it, all that went away after a couple of years, boom. It's the same thing here with Biden. Biden, I believe, got the residual effect of all the good stuff that Trump did relative to the economy. So it went up for a year. You mentioned 2021. And then now when we're under the policies of Biden, bam. Is that too simplistic of an analogy? No, that's it. That's perfect. That lays it right out there. And what we're seeing right now from the Biden administration is the greatest I told you so in political history. The folks that were against Donald Trump, for the most part, they hated him because of who he was. It was personal. They didn't like what he said. They didn't like his tweets. They don't like the fact that he allegedly cheated on his wife. They thought he was a big, overbearing goon. I get that. But everybody that follows this kind of stuff closely could look at Joe Biden and know he's got no plan for the economy. He is going to wreck what's happening at the border. He's soft on crime. This dude has been in the game for over 50 years, and everything he touches turns to crap. 
Let that sink in for just a moment. Barack Obama, listen, he got in the mix. He became, you know, a senator, did some things, won two terms, rode off into the sunset. Joe Biden's been doing this thing pretty much his entire adult life. And everything he touched sucks. Everything. And now you're seeing it. This is the I told you so world tour happening right now in Washington. I'm telling you, it is. It, it legitimately is. And anybody that defends it, I just don't even look at it anymore. All right, I'm going to go through. I, I, I'm, I'm throwing you a trick question today. You ready? Bring it. Uh, the, this White House, let me ask you if this is true. They have defined, they have not been able to give a definition of life. True? Correct. They teeter on their definitions of life. They teeter on their definitions of woman. And they teeter on their definitions of recession. You're getting ahead of me. You're getting ahead of me. (laughs) My next one was woman, man, illegal immigrant, violent crime, and recession. Those all seem to be... I don't know. They're changing the dictionary, are they not? They want people to believe that. And the thing is, there are morons, there are dumbasses that buy into this. Like, it's really not that hard to make definitions for all of the things that you rattled off. It's really not. Truth be told, it's pretty easy. But again, it's not a lie if you believe it. And they're wanting you to believe there are multiple definitions of woman. There are multiple definitions of man. There are multiple definitions of recession. Are there multiple definitions of dementia? Because that's a question that I'd like to ask, too, because Joe Biden is clearly losing his fastball. And the fact that this administration thinks that they can fool this country with these ridiculous excuses. Man, this is bad, coach. This is embarrassing. It's not just bad. bad. It's embarrassing. I agree. I I look. All right. A couple of other things. Um, Kids are awful in classrooms. We have no discipline in classrooms. Very rarely is a school uh, an organized discipline school. And it's not teachers' faults. Their hands are tied because kids can act like jackasses. And I blame Bush. I blame the whole no child left behind thing, which every teacher and every administrator told me was the worst thing ever. Um, What are we doing here as school starts up? The biggest thing that I think is happening right now in this country is the behavior of the students. We can go down a road of teacher pay. We can go down the avenue of, you know, teacher pension and all this kind of stuff. But the reason there's a teacher shortage, the reason that nobody wants to teach is because of the behavior of some of these kids in the classroom. And for the most part, I'm looking at the public schools, right? The public school system in this country is a mess. And look, hat tip to the teachers that are doing it right in the public school system, that are not pushing their political agenda, that are not coming out to students who are, you know, six and seven years old. Those teachers who are doing it right deserve some sort of award. Because my wife used to be a teacher in the inner city here in Indianapolis. And some of the behavior of these kids, it's ridiculous. And the uncomfortable truth is that school districts especially the public schools, they cater to that low-hanging fruit. They're so afraid of upsetting the feelings of little Johnny son of a bitch who keeps picking fights in the classroom that the few kids that are in there wanting to learn don't get a good experience. Other countries, they want their kids to learn. The top 
The cream rises to the top. Here in the United States, we have to make sure that we don't upset the feelings or the parents of some horrible kid who only goes in there to pick fights, to sell drugs, to do horrible things to the opposite sex. This happens all the time. Talk to any teacher that works in the inner city and they'll tell you it's time to bring back the suspension policy. When I was growing up coaching, I think this is the same for you. If you screwed around in school, you got hit with the suspension. And look, a lot of people right now are going to say, well, that just sends the kid at home. What if he doesn't get his lunch? What if, where does he got to go? I don't give a damn. My kid is there to learn. If your kid can't get his act together, stay home. It's not fair to the other 27, 28 kids in that classroom that your rotten, horrible bastard can't get his act together. The moment we start figuring this out and bringing suspensions back and sending these horrible, rotten kids back to where they came from, the school system will be better. And I promise you, you'll see more teachers. You'll see teachers staying in public schools, not just fleeing for the private schools, not just going to the, you know, the Catholic schools or whatever. These teachers are going to those private schools to make less money just because they don't want to have to deal with the rotten, horrible kids that they're getting right now. That falls on the parents, and it also goes on the school districts. You're going to have to show some sort of discipline, and if it means hurting the feelings of the rotten bastard kids, so be it. Yeah, you know, one of the things that does frustrate teachers, my daughter's a teacher, is the fact, and her school is great. Uh, because the principal and everyone in administration supports discipline, but it's a rare school. You know, I remember a few years ago in Indianapolis, oh, man, the guy died. He was a really good reporter for the Indy Star. I really liked him. Uh, gosh darn, he was from Crown Point. But he wrote an unbelievable series of pieces on Manly High School, which is right down the street uh, from Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown. And I remember thinking to myself, man, this is horrible. Where are the fathers? Why can't they discipline? I swear to God, it all goes back to that freaking no child left behind where everybody now gets paid for having a kid get through the school as opposed to helping a kid as he goes through for school. What did our, what did Dr. Burks do? I was what, listening to your show and Dr. Burks, who, I mean, it was she and Fauci, right? That were in charge of our lives for a couple of years with COVID. Did she expose herself as a bit of a fibber here? I mean, it's nothing that we haven't known for a long time. But yes, Dr. Burks, a.k.a. the Scarf Queen, she's got this big tell-all book coming out where she's given all the dirt, all the secrets of America's battle against COVID-19. And she admits in the book that she knew these vaccines were not going to be the end-all to be-all. But she never said that. She kept that lie alive and told everybody, go out and get vaxxed, got to get vaxxed, double vaxxed, triple vaxxed, have a uh, vaccine hanging out of your anus, do it all the time. She knew damn well that this stuff was not going to work. She also knew that this whole two weeks to stop the spread was a total lie. According to her new book, Deb Burks comes out and says she was planning to extend that the very moment that it was rolled out. It was never going to be two weeks to slow the spread. They had every intention of making this a full-on, month-long, possibly longer shutdown of the United States. And these are the people that we trusted. These are the people that we had faith in to walk us through a situation that we had never seen before. Dr. Fauci had been working in Washington almost as long as Joe Biden has. We thought he'd have his act together. And this dude has flip-flopped on every single issue. 
According to Dr. Fauci, you can't be wrong if you take the angle of every single argument. And Deborah Burks, she admits in her new book to lying directly to your face about COVID. These were the people we trusted. So it doesn't make you or me a bad guy if you have questions about the vaccine, about the people calling the shots here, and the science. Because if you question the science back in 2020, you were kicked off of social media. Alex Berenson was kicked off of social media. Turns out he was absolutely right. May have received a settlement from Twitter as a result of it. And the more time goes on, the more it shows that these people didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground, Coach. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, and, and um, our guy here, Clay Travis, was claiming this the whole time, and all we get called is uh, that work it out kick, right-wing conspiracy theories. I don't right. know. I mean, when, when, you when you get proven to be right, I don't know that it's a conspiracy theory. It, it, when does this conspiracy theory become truth? Oh, it never will, because you look at who runs the media in this country. For every outkick, for every, if you want to call it conservative-friendly outlet, there is three, four, five folks who just look at you, and because you're a white guy, you are a racist. Or because you have questions about the vaccine, you're some sort of lunatic uh, that's getting ready to storm into the Capitol and demand answers. No, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's kind of the country that we live in right now, though. If you question the authority of the Democratic Party and those who fall in line with it, you are some sort of ist. You are a sexist. You are a racist. You are a white supremacist. But if it's the other way around, if Donald Trump is the president, or if it's Ron DeSantis, if it's Ted Cruz, whoever, if somebody that's a Republican wins in 2024, I guarantee you, the same arguments that people are saying, you're the problem, they're going to make against the other side. It's just the political animal that we live in right now. Hey, my wife, when I took this job, my wife said, you know, you think that the, uh, the star, indie star and the rest were mad at you for sports takes. Wait till you get into politics and have certainly seen <laughs> it, right? I mean, it gets masked a little bit, but you know right. what I'm talking about, man. You go against these guys. You know, like there was an article that came out, uh, of, and it turned out to be true, which is horrible, of the 10-year-old girl that had crossed state lines, and Biden talked about it, and I didn't question anything about anything except the Indy Star. That's who I questioned, because if the star isn't verified, I don't believe it. And I think that COVID put that at the front forefront for all of us. How many different times were people told, no, masks are the answer. This vaccine is the answer. Hell, Biden said, this vaccine, if you get it, you will not get the vaccine or you will not get the virus. So, of course, we have a distrust of these clowns, right? Of course we do. And they keep doubling down. Dr. Fauci, again, wants your kids to start masking up in school. He did an interview the other day where he was asked about uh, the new BA5 variant. This is the new hot variant that's making its way around right now. This is going to be the prelude to the inevitable midterm variant that's going to be out right around election time, I'm sure. Uh, but Dr. Fauci wants people in closed capacities, indoor settings like schools, to start wearing masks again. Coach, how many reports have we seen 
from very credible universities, doctors, not just in the United States, but worldwide that show the masking did nothing in this country. It was cosmetic. Unless you're wearing one of those official N95 masks that's like doctor tight around your head and you're only wearing it for one, possibly two uses, these masks are cosmetic theater. They did more harm than good. The lockdowns did more harm than good. But these people, these horrible, rotten people keep doubling down on it. The things we have made our children do over the last two years, keeping them home from school, making them mask up, knowing damn well it didn't do anything. It's it's sad. It really is. Yeah, I mean, look, anybody that was ever a kid knows that going to school in a mask, terrorizing, I think it's terrorizing kids with all this stuff that we, we throw on kids. Why can't we just let kids be kids? Look, I get it. At first, you didn't know. Hey, the virus comes, you didn't know. But now you know. You mentioned studies. There are all kinds of studies that talk about the emotional damage done to kids. Now we're talking about drag queens in school. Now we're talking about... Uh, puberty blockers. Now we're talking about sexual identity by teachers being taught it for. Why can't we just let freaking kids be kids and they'll figure and it look, out? If you want to wear a mask, be my guest. If you want to wear two masks, right. go ahead. If you want to strap a mask around your butt, be my guest. But to make this stuff mandatory and to shame people into this and to finger wag people and only use selected studies that you agree with, this whole thing has been a mess. This could not have been handled any worse. More people have died of COVID under Joe Biden than Donald Trump. And this is with the vaccines being available. Nobody wants to talk about that. This administration has handled this so, so poorly. You can say all you want about the orange man and how he viewed COVID. Did he take it seriously? Probably not. Should he have taken it more seriously? Yes. Did that cost him the election? Maybe, I don't know. But don't tell me that the Biden administration has done a good job on this and the people that fall in step with the Biden administration. There have been some real zeros, some real losers, and they're still employed and they're still bumping their gums. Some of them are selling books, some of them are doing TV, and one old bastard is still talking about your kids wearing a mask. Um, last thing before I let you go, I noticed after being told uh, presidents don't control gas prices, um, I noticed a victory lap because gas apparently at $3.99.9 is something to celebrate when it was a buck seventy-nine under the previous administration. Now we're taking a victory lap. So if I'm following the rules correctly, and I've been keeping score at home, I've got my scorecard here, when the prices went up, it was the Putin price hike. But now that they're going down, is this the Putin collapse? Shouldn't this be the uh, Vladimir Putin uh, gas rebate? Is that what's happening here? Because I don't think that's being <laughs> talked about. It's, it's funny how the president only wants to take credit for the gas prices when they start to go down. And the big picture here, and we're probably burying the lead, you don't get to do a victory lap when the gas is still 430 at a national level, still $2 higher than when you started. It went up because of you. This is a total Black Friday kind of promotion deal. Black Friday, you know, the day after Thanksgiving when everybody goes shopping. Oh, wow, look, I, I found this toaster. It's 80% off. 
yeah, they marked it up about 200% to make you think you're getting a better deal. It's kind of what you're seeing with the gas prices here. Joe Biden's going to run around and tell you, well, the gas prices are down 60 cents in the last couple of weeks. You jacked it up. You were the one that was responsible for making it go through the damn roof, you crazy bastard. <laughs> Honest to God. Um, I, I, it just, I don't know. All right, last, last thing, because I'm going to have you on 100 times before this. Um, as we sit here right now, all right, and the, the midterms don't come up until March. As we sit here, do you think that it is a Republican landslide in, in, uh, at the midterms in November? I'm sorry, what did I say? March, November. For the House, yes. The Republicans are going to take the House. Now, this may be an unpopular opinion. I think the Democrats are going to hold on to the Senate unless some of these cats get their act together. We're hearing more and more that Herschel Walker is starting to implode down in Georgia. And he's running against a complete zero and Raphael Warnock. But if Herschel Walker can't get it going, he's going to lose. And I told you when the Pennsylvania primary happened that the Republican conservative voters in Pennsylvania made a mistake by putting Dr. Oz in that spot. Dr. Oz right now would lose that election to Fetterman if this election were right now. There's a lot of time left, but those are two key states that the Republicans have to capture if they wanted to take the Senate back. And as of right now, if you look at the polling, and I know everything's within the margin of error, but things are going the wrong way. So you could see a Republican House, a Democratic Senate, uh, if this election were right now. Well, we got a lot of time. Well, not really. It goes quick. But we got time between now and then. I'm going to ask you a thousand times and things will change. Hey, man, I appreciate you. I know you got a busy day today. Always, always, always popular with everyone when you come on, my friend. Thank you, Jason. You got it. Thank you, guys. That's my man, Jason Allen Hammer. You can hear him. Hammer and Nigel. Best show going. Three to seven. Uh, WIBC.com. If you're from out of area, so what? Go to WIBC.com. I'm telling you, you'll laugh. You'll be informed. Uh, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, I've got some things relative to football. I've got five NFL deals and awards when we come back. They include Jimmy G. They include Marcus Mariota. They include Mitchell Trubisky. It's like Backup quarterback day on the damn awards. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you what not to bet on. I'm going to tell you who to pick on your fantasy team and give you all kinds of good stuff because that's what I do. I give you good stuff. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. See, this is what's bad about journalism today. The Indy Star turned out to be right. I ripped the Indy Star. Uh, in a 10-year-old abortion case. I ripped them, and I didn't rip them because I thought, you know what, uh, they were right or wrong. I just ripped them because there was nobody crediting the story, and Ty did not go to the Indy Star. And hell, I mean, I've been in enough Indy Star stuff to know they're full of crap. I've been in enough Indy Star stuff to know they don't tell the truth. So, I look, take your victory lap, but in my case, and I'm being a little bit, little bit talked about here, in my case... Uh, I'll always rip the star because Ty does not go to the star in my world. They have been so bad, so dishonest relative to me that I personally don't, I'll never say, oh yeah. 
The star was right about that. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Fine. You know, uh, there you go. It is what it is. But I'll never, Ty will never go to a newspaper, at least one that I have dealt with. So good for them. They got one right. Horrible for the country that this actually happened. All right, let me get back to sports here for a second. On Fridays, which is Thursday for us, because until Labor Day, when Labor Day comes, after Labor Day, I've been told we'll go to five days a week. But on Thursday, which is our Friday, we give away the damn awards. The damn awards are awards that I kind of make up that involve sports. And I'll be telling you the first one. I'll be telling you the first one. There's some English for you. I'll bet on stuff. I won't bet on baseball because I'm getting my brains kicked in on baseball. I, I just won't do it. And I'm not happy. All right. Having said that, though, there is absolutely no way I am betting on this. My first damn award is I'm not betting on this. Jimmy G, you see the background there? The favorite for Jimmy G, where he's going to end up is, according to whatever the hell sportsbook emails me uh, to my other radio show, the favorite is the New York Giants. The New York Giants are the favorite. Now, I wouldn't bet on that. The New York Giants have thrown a lot of money into Daniel Jones. Now, doesn't mean they're in love with Daniel Jones. They don't love Daniel Jones. They haven't re-signed Daniel Jones. They haven't put him on a new contract, Daniel Jones. They don't love him. I get it, all right? But the truth of the matter is there is no chance, none, zero, zip, that I am betting on Jimmy G to go to the Giants. Now, it has changed. Today, the get betting line has changed. It went from the Giants being the favorite to the Seahawks being the favorite. That's why I'm not betting on this. That's why I will not bet on this. I won't bet on this because, frankly, it's going to change constantly. Today, Seahawks. Tomorrow, the second favorite is now the Dolphins. Third favorite is now the Giants. Fourth favorite, Houston. Houston could be tomorrow. Houston likes Davis Mills. Tua seems to be the guy, at least according to Tyreek Hill in Miami. The Seahawks, I would think, would want Jimmy G because Jimmy G is better than Drew Locke. Tampa Bay, I don't think they would bring him in. Who wants to hear the Browns, maybe? I mean, I don't know what the suspension of Deshaun Watson is going to be, but I talked about this yesterday. You can make the case that Jimmy G is better than any number of quarterbacks, and you can go all the way from the number one seed in the AFC last year, which is the Titans, Ryan Tannehill, to whomever you deem the worst. Most people deem the Houston Texans as the worst. You can go in between, including my Colts. You can make the argument that you'd rather have Jimmy G on the Colts at his age than you would Matt Ryan with no left tackle and immobile at his age. I mean, that's what you do. You can do that easy. Easy. Look, the bottom line is simple. I bet on Russian table tennis. Last week, I took the advice of a friend and bet on Canadian football. I'll bet horses. 
I'll bet whatever you want, particularly on the golf course, because frankly, I don't get a chance to compete every, every so often, and I do it on the golf course, so I like to bet. But I got to tell you, I ain't touching this one. And you can go to any sports site you want, and you can lift up Jimmy G, where's he going? The boys jumped ahead of me. I'm not big into fantasy football. I got enough going on. I can't keep up with it. But you see that guy right there? His name is Naheem Hines. He plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He is our Debo Samuels. In fact, like Debo Samuels, he is a speed guy that once in a while the Colts will give the ball, have him go up the middle, and he will score a touchdown because he's strong in the middle. He was a sprint guy at North Carolina State, which means what? Which means he's uber fast. You give him the ball out of the backfield, and good things happen. Good things do happen when he gets the ball. Unfortunately, last year, after he signed a big deal, he didn't get the ball very much. This year, he's going to get the ball. Now, you don't listen to anything that the indie media has to tell you about this year's Colts team, all right? Don't, please, God, don't. Because the truth of the matter is, the indie media loves everything about the Colts. And I'm going to get into that here in a minute. But Naheem Hines, I've been talking about this since I saw they signed Matt Ryan. Naheem Hines should be on your fantasy team. I don't know fantasy sports enough. I'll get experts on here to talk about it. I don't know it enough. But what I do know is this. This guy's going to catch more than the 40 balls he caught last year. He's going to run more than the 56 times he ran last year. The dude averaged five yards a carry. He went for 276. That will, at minimum, double. At maximum, get to 1,000. Yes, I know they have Jonathan Taylor. But Naheem Hines is that good. Out of the backfield, 40 catches, one touchdown. Garbage. Waste of talent. Telling you right now. Now, I saw some little media guy in Indy. Uh, Yesterday was the first day of uh, camp. Matt Ryan threw a swing pass to Naheem Hines, and he ran for a touchdown. Or he ran whatever, seven on seven. I don't know if you call it a touchdown. So the little Indy media guy said, well, a check down. We've not seen that in years. Well, a check down, we have seen that in years. In fact, Naheem Hines' one touchdown was kind of on a check. So don't buy any of that crap. You know, buy the fact that this guy signed a deal. This guy didn't get the ball last year. Colt brass, Colt coaches, Colt GMs at all. One of the reasons they got rid of Carson Wentz was because Carson Wentz in an RPO system didn't know whether to R, whether to P, or whether to O. And that included getting the football to this guy, Naheem Hines. So as you are sitting here and you are thinking about, hey, give me a name in fantasy football. Remember, I don't even know what day it is. What date is this? Uh, It is the 28th. It's the 28th of July. On the 28th of July, your boy, Dockich, told you about Naheem Hines. On the 28th of November, October, September, December, you'll be thinking, hmm, where did I hear about Naheem Hines? Believe me, 
This guy, what has two thumbs and talks about himself a lot? This guy. I'll tell you about him. All right, who we crap? There was a great segment when talk radio first came to Chicago. It was called Who We Who You Crap? And it was a story that we all knew was Bolshevik, but you know what they did? They came out with some nonsense, and the host says, Who you crap? Who you crapping if you didn't think Marcus Mariota was going to be the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons? Marcus Mariota, for whatever the reason, and some people think it was the tank. Some people think he fits the offense. Some people can think whatever they want to think. But he was brought there to be the quarterback, period. They did draft Desmond Ritter, 74th overall. So you know what the media said? Well, we might have a quarterback. We might have a quarterback controversy. We might have a plan. We might have a plan for each. We might have a plan. But Marcus is the starter after one day in camp. Look, any, I got a thing here that's bothering me. Anything, anybody that didn't know that going in is nuts. At least they got it out of the way. At least they said, hey, look, Marcus Mariota was brought here to be the starter. Desmond Ritter at 74 was brought here to see if someday he could be the starter. I'll tell you one thing about Marcus Mariota. He ain't filling very big shoes. They haven't had a winning record in five years under Matt Ryan. I mean, that's just the facts. I hope that Matt Ryan is good enough. I hope that Matt Ryan comes to the Colts and dominates things. But he didn't have a winning season in five years. Last time we actually watched Matt Ryan or we watched the Atlanta Falcons, they were down 28-3. to And did you know this to the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Did you know that Robert Kraft, on the rings, the Super Bowl champion rings that year against the Atlanta Falcons, put 283 little, little, little diamond chips, little diamond chips in the ring, 283. What does that signify? 28 to 3. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. I know people lose their mind. Well, that's disrespectful. Well, that's certainly inappropriate. Robert Kraft, you should stay hanging out in massage parlors if you're going to do inappropriate stuff like that. My ass. That's what makes the world go round. No, that's exactly what makes the world go round. Not all stuff like that, but enough stuff like that. 283 chips because they were down 28 to 3. I like it. All right. Learn before you speak. My friend Chris Ballard. I did the same thing Chris Ballard did. Like, look, back in the day when I was trying to solve all the world's problems on my radio show, I talked about why are automatic weapons in the hand of children and they can just walk in and buy them. I quickly learned that I was wrong. I quickly learned it's not so easy. I quickly learned that it made me look like a fool. Now, Chris Ballard will never look like a fool. 
in Indianapolis. I've talked about the fawning media, okay? Chris Ballard will never. I mean, the articles on Chris Ballard, uh, and I liked what Chris Ballard said. I like the fact that Chris Ballard said this. He said, look, it has to stop. I agree. He gave condolences to the three families that lost their lives in the Greenwood Park shooting. Great. I, I support that wholeheartedly. But then he went and did what a lot of us do. He went out and he said, hey, look, um, it has to stop where, and I want to make sure that I have this right because I learned my lesson. I reached out today. Um, it has to stop that a kid can walk in and buy an AK-15 automatic weapon. And he called on legislators and real people. Two things. One, you got to learn before speaking. Yes, there is such thing as an AK-15. It is a Russian military gun that you really can't get here. What he probably meant is an AK-47, which is an automatic rifle. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because, well, at some level, I am part of the Indianapolis media, and that's what we do. All right? I asked Guy Ralford. You saw Guy on our show on Monday, the gun guy. He said there's no such thing as an AR-15 or AK-15. There is an AK-15. 47 automatic rifle. Yes, there is an AR-15 automatic rifle. I'm not going to parse. I'll give him that. However, I asked him, is there anywhere in this country a kid can walk in and buy an AK-15, an AR-15, an AK-47? Is there anywhere in the country you can do this? Here's the answer. Any automatic weapon requires a separate ATF slash FBI background check a $200 tax stamp, and top off at $20,000 plus price tag. And the ATF is taking up to a year to process applications. So you can't walk into Cabela's and buy, I'll give, again, Ballard the benefit of the doubt. You can't walk into Cabela's and buy an AK-47. You can't walk into Cabela's and buy an AR-15 or an AK-15. You can't. That's by the legislature. That's what the legislature has done. Now, I'm no gun guy. I'm the farthest thing. I'm afraid of guns. True story. Always have been, always will be. We got a gun. I don't like it. I'm not afraid to use it if someone comes in my house. I'm training to use it because the one time I went shooting, I was literally the shakiest gun in the West. I couldn't hit nothing. I couldn't hit me standing right there. So I'm going to learn to use it because I got a feeling at some point in my old ass life, somebody is going to challenge me enough and, and threaten me enough. It's already started to happen that I'm going to need a gun, at least in my home. But I learned. I did. I learned what was real. I learned not to open my mouth about issues that others know a ton more about than I do. I did. I learned that. I learned, wait a second, Double Dizzle. Hold on here, Double D. 
lot of people know a lot about guns. I didn't. I learned. I said the same things Chris Ballard did. Hey, man, you can just walk in and buy a damn automatic rifle. We got to get those off the streets. I do believe, and this may go against everybody that I know, uh, maybe even on this network, I don't know. But I don't know why you got to have automatic weapons. I don't understand why you have to. I get people say, well, if the government comes for us. And by the way, five years ago, I would have said, uh, stop it. Now it's like, well, you might be right. I don't know why you got to have them. I wouldn't have an automatic weapon. That's my choice. Guy Ralford would have a different choice. I respect it. But to say the legislature has to come out and do something, well, what would you like them to do? Get them off the streets. Okay. How would you like them to do that? Uh, people that are woke don't want police. People that are woke want volunteers in the neighborhood. Are the volunteers in the neighborhood going to get them off the streets? There's already legislation that does not allow these type guns to be sold. And if they are, excuse me, to sold to kids. So explain to me exactly. Then the argument from Chris Ballard, who's a friend of mine, and I like, I like him a lot. Uh, he said, hey, look, people need to take this on as well. Well, guess what? Elijah Dickon did. Elijah Dickon is the man that we talked about on Monday that drew his weapon from 40 yards away and pumped eight bullets, I will never say the killer's name, into a guy in a um, food court that was, had already killed three people and was intent on killing many, many more. Simple as that. So people did take it into their hands. They did. Elijah Dickin did. Not a lot of other people can, but Elijah Dickin certainly did. So at the end of the day, you're never going to get this. You're never going to hear uh, Ballard clarify anything. What Ballard was doing is what Ballard does. Ballard cried about social justice, which was great. His coach took a knee in dramatic fashion in the middle of all the players so we could all see him. Attendance went to hell. Team wasn't good either. Now, used to be, the Colts used to have long lines for season tickets. Now, the Colts currently have guys, very rude guys, according to my friends, calling you basically trying to strong-arm you into actually buying season tickets. That's not right. Go woke, get broke. I like what Chris Ballard's about. He adopted kids, great dad, fantastic father, hard worker, great heart. Love it. Love it. Absolutely right, starting his press conferences with condolences to the folks in Greenwood. I made the same mistake Chris Ballard made, the exact same mistake. Exact same. And the truth of the matter is, uh, I hope Chris educates himself a little bit, because if he's going to speak on these issues, then he needs to be respected as he's speaking on these issues. And respect comes with knowledge. I had to learn that myself. I'm glad I did. Uh, doctor, heal thyself is a very popular term. Doctor, heal thyself. What does that mean? Oh, what does that mean? It means hey, take care of your business before you try to go help other folks' business. That's what the hell it means. And I'm looking at you, Mitchell Trubisky. 
I'm looking at you. Mitchell Trubisky wants to be a, quote, mentor. He wants to be a mentor to Kenny Pickett, the quarterback. I'm all in on that. I'm all in on older helping younger. I am. When I went to Indiana University, I really liked the older guys. They didn't have much use for me, but they weren't jackasses. I remember talking to other guys that went to other colleges, and they talked about the hazing process at different places. That didn't happen at Indiana. We had all Americans. Randy Whitman, Ted Kitchell. These guys were all Americans. These guys were coming off a national championship. So I always thought, you know what? It ain't bad to help out younger guys. The truth of the matter is, my whole life, one of the most, if not the most, the best endorsement I ever got as an athlete is in Steve Alford's book where he talked about, for whatever the reason, Dockage was a great teammate, and he was the first guy ever picked in our pickup games because we knew he was a great teammate. Brian Sloan, my friend, called me his best teammate ever. I'm, I'm very happy with that. I wasn't. And he was at my house drinking beers, so I figured, what the hell? Maybe there was a little influence there. But to me, anyway, being a great teammate and a mentor is huge. Now, Mitchell Trubisky's not old enough. Mitchell Trubisky said all the right things. He wants to go ahead and help Kenny Pickett, and that's an admirable thing. But if I'm Mitchell Trubisky, I'm not going to lie, man. This is my last chance. This is my last chance to go. Did you know Mitchell Trubisky has more career wins as a starter than Deshaun Watson? Did you know that Mitchell Trubisky is the fifth leading passer all time in Chicago? Watson is 28 and 26. Trubisky is 29 and 21. I don't know what that means. But I'm not mad at Mitchell Trubisky, but you got to heal yourself. It's nice. You know, he's not in a position like Ryan Tannehill was, where you're the established starter of the Titans, and you got a new quarterback coming in, Malik Willis. You're not that guy. They're going to ask you questions about if you are Ryan Tannehill. Hey, look, what do you think? You're going to help this kid out? Hell no, I got a job to do. Mitchell Trubisky is fighting for a job every bit as much as Kenny Pickett, every bit as much as Mason Rudolph with the, Phil, uh, with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They're fighting like hell. The time will come when Mitchell Trubisky can be a mentor. But that time has not yet come. It hasn't. It has not yet come. You know what I mean? So we'll see. I like it, though. I ain't mad about it. And speaking, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of the Steelers, did you see this? Cam Hayward is not happy. Cam Hayward is not happy with Ben Roethlisberger. They were teammates. Big Ben called today's NFL players coddled. You're coddled. Okay. Isn't it amazing how Big Ben is, oh, I don't know. Now everybody's coddled. Big Ben, at one point, lucky not in jail. Seriously. He says they are coddled with a me-type attitude. Cam Hayward said, whoa, 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 whoa. It looks as though we are looking at 
we are looked at as selfish players, and I don't think that's the point. We have a lot of young players that come from different backgrounds, have experienced different things from what others or I may have, may have experienced. That doesn't make them selfish or more of a me-type attitude. There are a lot more team-first guys than me-type guys. I took offense to that. They played together for 10 years. He said he wasn't calling Big Ben out necessarily, but wanted to clear that he would protect my guys. You can't just say it's a me type of attitude. Everybody is out to be a Super Bowl winner, make money, one day be an MVP. But when it all comes together, we're always tried to, uh, excuse me, but when it all comes together, we care about one thing, this logo right here. I've always tried to extend that to my younger teammates. I think Ben was a little out on that one. Good answer. And he's right. Cam Hayward's absolutely right. What's Big Ben saying? Big Ben's not wrong. I mean, Big Ben's not wrong, of course. Look, to get to that level, you got to be a bit of a me guy. Me doesn't, I don't know. Why am I looking in the mirror all the time lifting weights? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? Because I want my career to go great, right? That's how you go about the business of being a professional football player. So from that extent, yes. What Ben, though, is talking about is guys that are more interested in themselves and team. And that's where I think Hayward was absolutely great in coming out and defending that stance. They both can be right. It doesn't matter. Like Hayward saying, look, I just think Ben's wrong on this. I think Ben's out on this. I think we have more me for our team first guys. And I'll bet you he's right. They got 53 guys, maybe 75 right now. Of course there's more. But I like it. I'll tell you why I like it. I like it because for Cam Hayward, for Mike Tomlin, and all of you Pittsburgh Steelers fans, guess what happened? You got this out in the open, and now guess what? You're going to have to be a team-first guy. You're going to have to be a team-first guy, period. Because it's already out there. A me-first guy, the media will say, well, there's an example, there's an example, there's an example of me-first. That's what Ben was talking about. But if I'm Ben, I want to be careful. Big Ben is beloved in that city. Big Ben, for all his little peccadillos, is beloved. Be careful. Don't lose that love. Don't. Guys like me have managed to maintain the love of an entire state because, well, not only are we handsome, but we tell truths. We don't necessarily want that from former athletes that we saw make millions. I'm an everyman. Ben's an elite guy. No. Be quiet, Ben. Let it all percolate. We got a rematch possible. We got a rematch we're going to talk about. We got Woke-A-Dope. I love Woke-A-Dope. I love Woke-A-Dope. What Woke-A-Dope is, is that every day we're going to pick out another woke clown that made an idiot of themselves in a very woke way. That's Woke-A-Dope. We got to end the show about five minutes early today because there's a lot of stuff going on back in the studio. Do this right now. Go tell all your friends. Go retweet the show. I need more viewers. We need more viewers. I will, we could have eight bazillion viewers, and I'm going to say we need more. This show's too good. Ryan, Dylan, Davey, my, we, we do, we're too good. We need more people. Sean, get out there. Retweet the show. Let's go. Be right back. Got a rematch coming up that I think you're going to want to hear about next. 
We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Grab a cup of coffee. Grab a chair. Let me give you a little life lesson. Let me give you the difference between a boss and just an employee. When I left ESPN to come here, contrary to what's great relationships, which is why I was able to do the TBT yesterday and the day before and the day before. One of the things that I do is I always send a note to people that help me out. I always send a note saying thank you. If somebody does something de- decent for me, I say thank you. I send a note, maybe a handwritten note, maybe an email, maybe a phone call, maybe a text. I don't know. But my parents were school teachers, and they always taught me to say thank you. They always taught me to admit when I'm wrong, and that's about it. Well, they taught me how to read, write, and be a decent human being. Decent, not great. So I leave ESPN. They want me to do the TBT games over this past week, and I do them. It's a lot of work. I get home at 1 in the morning. I do this show. I don't care. I like it. It's fun. I like this better. This is far more fun. I get to talk about anything I want. But the truth of the matter is, so now it's over. And I'm going to get to the difference between boss and employee. So as I was sitting in my car, munching on a post-game dinner yesterday, I sent out a string of emails and a string of texts. I sent it, one, Jimmy Patero, who is the head of ESPN. Two, Dorby Williamson, who is basically the in-house head of ESPN. Uh, I sent it to a lady named Stephanie Drooley, a lady, a guy named David Seisler, just saying David Seisler runs college basketball for ESPN. And I knew the order here. Patero, boss, boss of bosses, the main man. In fact, his wife is Tom Cruise's wife in uh, Top Gun. Norby Williamson, great dude. Love Norby. Fantastic. David Seisler. I busted my ass for David. Stephanie Drulli didn't really know, had one phone conversation, but she's in the mix over basketball. And I knew what was going to happen. I sent an email. I knew the first person that was going to get back to me. Guess who it would be? I knew this. I knew it was going to be Mr. Pataro, Jimmy Pataro. Now, Jimmy Pataro gets raked over the coals constantly. Hell, Outkick rakes him over. I've talked about ESPN, not necessarily in glowing terms, but that's the boss. He's the boss. Jimmy Pataro, I looked at my emails this morning, didn't even think about it. I looked at my email this morning, said, hey, Dan, sorry, I'm on vacation. Hope you're doing well. Glad you enjoyed the TBT. Nice to have you on our airways, Jimmy. That's a boss. That's how you go from being an employee, boom. People always ask me, like, man, you get all this negative press. Why do people keep hiring you? Because I'm wonderful to work with. I'm going to tell you the truth. I say, please. I say, thank you. I'll buy beers. I'll buy dinner. I mean, we, I, you know, it's true. That's why people keep hiring me. I was told by a man named Jack Schramm, be nicer to the people behind the cameras than you are to the people on camera with you. And he couldn't be more right because the people behind the cameras are great. And that's Jimmy Pataro. Jimmy Pataro has way bigger fish to fry. Hell, he's probably on a yacht somewhere with Tom Cruise and his wife. But he takes the time to send an email back. And I knew, I mean, I knew he would be the first guy. Uh, The email that I sent was, I mean, this is just why this is a great dude. 
The email I sent last night was, I don't know if it says, it says yesterday, so it was at night sometime, 9.43. Game was over. I was having a bite to eat, or maybe I was even driving. I'm sorry, I drove an email. Hey, Dan, out on vacation after a crazy few weeks. Hope you enjoyed the TBT, and I hope you and your family are well. Best regards, Jimmy. I knew it. By 8.43 in the morning, that's how you become a boss. You want to know how you learn? You learn by relationships. You want to know how you climb? You climb by having relationships. I'll tell you one of the best things about being on this show. One of the best things about being on this show is how Chad and Jonathan and Paul interact with me. Their support right from the get-go has made this a blast for me. I haven't seen those guys since, I don't know, last year sometime when I was in Nashville in studio and we announced that I was coming. But just the way they have helped me, encouraged me, promoted me, has made this a blast. That's what I'm all about, and I hope that's what you learn to be about. Jimmy Pataro, the head of ESPN. I've never worked with him. I've never met the man. I asked a lie. I think it was him, Norby, and another guy uh, walking down the hall. I thanked them all for letting me work with Tariko. And they're like, are you kidding me? Tariko's lucky to work with you. You're the best we got. That was about five years ago. And then, you know, I got to go a better offer. But I'm telling you. You want to be a boss? That's how you be a boss. I never met, I never worked for these guys. I worked for David Seisler, Stephanie Drewley. I assume I'll hear from them at some point. Maybe not. But I, you want to be, you, that's how you do it. You be a boss. Sorry. Anyway, it's the way it is. Um, Conor McGregor, and I'm being very serious, by the way, about Chad and Jonathan and Paul. Paul gives me shit, and I like it. But I'm telling you, this OutKick crew, and it's not just those guys, this OutKick crew is amazing in their support for one another. It is. You know, sometimes, like at ESPN, everybody's, you know, angling a little bit, right? Angling a little bit. Hey, man, why'd you get those games? I want those games. Seriously. Everybody's like, like, I get mad. All of a sudden, see Vitell and Billis at ESPN, they could come in anytime, swoop in, and take your job. And I'm like, that's bull. That's crap. What are you talking about? I'm better than both of those guys. Why are they doing the game? Well, Dan, uh, we're not going to answer that. It's just the way it is. It's legendary to get what's called dicked at ESPN, which means you think you're doing a game Saturday. It's Thursday. Vitell wants to do the game. He calls up Norby, says, hey, I want to do that game. He does the game. He's earned it. I got, I problem I had was Billis. Billis doing it didn't seem worthy. Vitell, no question. But that's part of it. Here at OutKick, everybody's just trying to make OutKick really good. It's like a, it's like a challenge to all of us to make a bigger entity good. And it is. It's the best you can find. I used to go to ESPN.com for all my sports information. I don't anymore. My first move is the OutKick. I'm not on there. Hell, I'm supposed to write a freaking column every week. I've been so swamped I haven't done it in three weeks. I'm not trying to read my stuff, but I'm just telling you, man, that is one of the great things. And that's what a guy like Jimmy Patero, a boss, is trying to foster at ESPN. It's great. No, it's really great. It is. It's unbelievable. And, it, and I am so appreciative. And I'll look, 
the one guy won't send one because, well, he, not that he don't like me or I don't like him. He's just, no. Anyway, and Norby will. Norby's awesome. Uh, okay. Conor McGregor and your guy, our guy, Floyd Mayweather. By the way, last night I did the money team's game, Floyd Mayweather's team. They got beat. Hell of a game on the TBT. So there's a lot of conversation. Now, I got to tell you, I had a party for the Mayweather fight. All right? I had a party at my house. Some luminaries. By the time the fight was over, I looked over, and one of the best broadcasters in the state of Indiana is passed out right here on my couch. All my buddies that came over are flopping around in a damn pool. Beer bottles everywhere. My kind of night here in Indiana. Yeah, I don't care. It's my kind of night. I'm not a Quaker. So this rematch between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, we can put that up if you want. It was 2017. It was, listen to this, and this is all that matters. This is it. The second highest selling combat sports pay-per-view of all time. There they are. Second highest. You want to say to me, hey, Dan, the fight was so boring, your boys were in the pool, and your one buddy was passed out here, missed the whole fight asleep. I was walking around being a host. Yeah, it was boring, but if you want to know, the scroll right here is telling you. Reports indicated previously, and this is from whatever day it is, today's the 26th, the pair were holding talks over a potential sequel. McGregor appeared to hint at a second fight on social media by posting all except. Now, Dana White says not so fast. Dana White's saying, no, 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 no. Conor McGregor's my star. You see him right there. He's giving you the side eye. He's not interested. However, the Sun, not the Sun, but the Sun, the newspaper, has now suggested a rematch between the pair is close to being made. They suggested the pair are now arguing over fight rules. If I'm Floyd Mayweather, I ain't doing nothing but boxing. Conor will only take the fight, providing Floyd is willing to put his professional record on the line, so the fight will not be an exhibition. It will be an official fight. It will be at 155 pounds. That's what we know. It will be the last time Floyd ever steps in the ring, so it would be one not to miss. Deal's very close to being done. Personal terms have been agreed on. It will be one final showdown. showdown. Yes, records will be at stake. Why is that important? Well, the reason that's important is because Floyd Mayweather has retired numerous times undefeated. He has. He's retired undefeated. And that's very important, as you all know, to any professional boxer or any professional anybody. Hell, a prosecutor wants to go undefeated. A defense attorney wants to go undefeated. So Mayweather going undefeated is a big deal. And when you stop with the word exhibition, when you don't say exhibition and you put real fight to this, 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's the number one seller of all time. Now, here's what's got to happen. Mayweather's got to do something stupid, and McGregor's got to do something stupid. Like, they can both go to the Christian Science Reading Room, read the monitor to the children, and no one's going to give a rat's ass. Mayweather needs to throw, like, a beer bottle at somebody's bus, track down three guys or pay three guys, go Juicy Smollett on them, pay guys to come up in a costume on a Chicago street, beat the living hell out of them, and, oh, by the way, somehow, someway have it filmed, release that film to get this fight going. 2017 in the modern world? is a long-ass time ago. A long time ago. I mean a long time ago. People may not even remember either guy unless real boxing fans will, but you know what I'm talking about. Joey Bag of Donuts on the south side that decides, hey, look, I am going to pay for this fight. Who's this again, Mayweather? The first thing you're going to hear I love the scroll we got going on right now. We got a heavy thumb today. I ain't mad about it. Listen to this. Mayweather and McGregor earned mega money. The boxing legend, you know what he made? $280 million. $50 million more than Kyler Murray is going to make on his new contract extension. I don't know what the hell McGregor was thinking. What the hell's he thinking? He only made $130 million. That's why I'm saying, if you want to do this, if you want to do this, then you've got to not, if you want to break the all-time record here, then you cannot make it an exhibition and you got to go do something stupid. Now, McGregor, I'm sorry, Mayweather has been, according to this, I didn't even know this, uh, he took on Japanese kickboxer, uh, Mayweather did. He, he fought YouTube star Logan Paul, who was pretty good in the fight, by the way, and his sparring partner, Donnie Moore. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But what I do know is, this probably will be the highest grossing pay-per-view battle ever. And because of that, it's going to happen. Something just broke upstairs. Holy cow, Dylan. I don't know what happened. Either somebody once again is breaking through a window or there's something going on. My wife dropped something. But I just heard a crash. And a crash ain't good in the house. It ain't. All right. You know what we do here. It's the end of the show. We're ending a little bit early. Woke-a-dope. Who's the latest dope to go woke? and become a dope. All right, listen to this. I don't understand it. I'll never understand it. Somebody can tell me, why don't we let kids be kids? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I will never know. But there is a doctor, a family doctor, says the hill she will die on is allowing young guys, young gals, to get gender reassignment surgery and puberty blockers. Can we show this from our friends at the libs of TikTok? Can we show this crazy person that wants to tell little, little kids are still picking their nose, thinking they're Santa Claus, but yet they can get gender reassignment surgery. 
by crazy here. I'm a doctor and apparently the state of Texas needs to reconsider what it considers child abuse. Because you know what's abusive? Ignoring the needs of your child when your child is telling you what they need. And engaging in behavior as a parent that could lead them to unalive themselves. Over 80% of trans youth have admitted to having thoughts about unaliving themselves and over 50% have actually attempted it. In these individuals, denying them care that we know is life-saving is child abuse. And it is proven that providing them gender-affirming care strongly reduces those risks. Don't worry, I got plenty of receipts for these comments. You can check my link tree. I will die on this hill. Trans rights are human rights. And it doesn't matter the age of the person. We all deserve to live our truth. I agree with y'all deserve to live their truth. And I agree, trans rights, human rights, absolutely. No question about that. But you're telling me that today my kid at five years old, six years old, four years old knows who she or he should be and is thinking about suicide. You're out of your freaking mind. You can make up any number you want. And certainly mental health issues are important. Hell, I've thought about suicide going way back. No question. I understand depression, but you can't tell me that a five-year-old six-year-old should be able to get gender reassignment surgery and puberty blockers. This woman is not God. This woman is not. You know, the one thing you can always do is say stuff. You can always say stuff. You can say, well, 50% of kids, 27%. Okay, great. Is it true? Hell, I read stuff in a newspaper that is absolutely not true. You do too. What do we always say? Well, the media tells us and we don't buy it. People always say, well, you know, the media then blew that up. So we're just supposed to say, hey, look, why can't we just let kids be kids? The world has become much more open. When I was a kid, man, I think he's gay. Is he going to come out of the closet? One of my friends was the first person that I ever knew to be gay and died of AIDS at a very young age. I didn't even know what AIDS was. I had to find out later it was actually AIDS that Stevie died of. I mean, we all knew he was gay. He knew he was gay. It didn't matter. You know, the truth of the matter is, why can't we just let kids be kids? They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. You let kids be kids. You deal with mental health issues. You know, one of the things that I believe is hurting kids is all this stuff. Hey, are you gay? No. I'm five, six. Hey, do you think you should be a woman? Hey, do you think you should be a boy? Hey, why aren't you playing with the girls? Are you think you're a boy? Hey, why are you playing with the girls? Do you think you're a boy? We really need to talk. No, we don't. You know what we need to do? No, the kids play. They'll figure it out. You get to an age, you know what they say, your brain isn't fully formed until you're 25 years old. I would argue your brain's not fully formed until you've been divorced and fired. I've never really been fired, though, but divorced and lost a job, that's better. That forms your brain. But why, why, why do we have to put pressure on kids to make a decision on what sex they are? Why do we even question it with kids? Why? You think we got mental health issues because kids are trans? You think we got mental health issues because kids are confused about whether or not they're boys and girls? I'm sure we do. But I'll tell you something else. I guarantee you, we got more because of all the freaking pressure we put on kids. Hey, are you gay? No. I, I, what's gay? 
Do you like boys? Yeah, they're nice. Do you like girls? Yeah, they're nice. Well, I don't like her. I don't like him. I've dealt with kids my whole life. Kids will figure it out, man. Maybe this is stupid. I guess because I'm not just jumping up and down saying everything is great, then I'm probably transphobic. I'm not even a little bit. I support you. You want to do that? Do it. Go do your thing, man. But does it have to be thrown? Does everything, as Bill Maher said, does everything always have to be about you? How about we let kids be kids? Crazy idea. Insane. I I don't know. I, I don't know how anybody could think that. But hey, look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. I got a couple of bets for you. I'll bet you Julio Jones. I'll bet you Julio Jones goes over four and a half touchdowns. I just saw this was an over-under. Now, that's his, that's his on the season. Now, think about this before you say Julio Jones in four touchdowns. Think about last year. Julio Jones didn't even play. He got hurt. He didn't get younger, people. Julio Jones got older. So the idea that Julio Jones may not play is real. The idea that Julio Jones may play and not be effective, certainly real. The idea that Julio Jones is, oh, I don't know, going to be great is, hey, look, I don't think that's going to happen either. But the idea that Julio Jones gets to catch passes from Tom Brady, are you insane? Are you nuts? I'm betting over four and a half, and I'd almost bet you over four and a half touchdowns by Julio Jones before the halfway mark of the season. Now, there's a 17-game season, so I don't know what the hell the halfway mark is, but I'll take that bet, and I'll take another bet. All of my boys here at OutKick live in where? Nashville. Who did Julio Jones play for last year? Oh, the Titans. Guess what? Nashville is going to be sad because Julio Jones is going to have a decent year, if not a good year, for the Buccaneers. And you're going to be like, where the hell was that? You're old. No, you're not. I invoke the name of the great Blair White. Blair White, I think, is now a dentist, or at minimum, he's in dental school. When everybody on the Colts at wide receiver were hurt, here comes Blair White. I think he went to Michigan State. Or maybe I'm thinking of Lorenzo White, which I am. Or maybe I'm thinking of Blake Ezor, which I am. Both Michigan State running backs. Don't at me. Here comes Blair White. Touchdown. Peyton Manning to Blair White became a thing in Indy. Peyton Manning threw Blair White open. Peyton Manning made Blair White. I think it was the next year Peyton maybe got hurt. I can't remember. All I know is Blair White did not have Peyton Manning throwing to him. Blair White ended up better off in dental school, I believe. Guess who has Tom Brady throwing to him? Julio Jones, me and Julio down by the goal line. That's what you're going to see. Do yourself a favor. Take over four and a half. I'm going to try to give out these bets. I already told you. Heisman Trophy, Aiden O'Connell, plus 9,000. Bet 100, you win 9,000. Bet 50, you win 4,500. Before you at me, look it up. So those are the two. I'm writing them down. 
Aiden O'Connell, I don't have to write down. And Julio Jones over four and a half touchdowns. I think it's mental that every time at this time in the show, I got to go to the bathroom. I do. I think it's mental. And I'm very happy that today, because yesterday I drove to Dayton, back from Dayton, didn't go to the bathroom one time. I think it's mental. Hey, we've had a great week. I got to end the show early, not because I got to go to the bathroom, but because uh, they got stuff to do in the studio. Davey, Dylan, Ryan, you two guys, Ryan and Dylan, you're awesome every freaking day. To my OutKick brothers and sisters, thank you. To everybody listening, tweeting, watching on the YouTube channel, thank you. We will be back at it on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Keep it right here. Watch OutKick 360. Dockets out to the potty.